Slap Us Uncovered, a podcast of M&M Service Company, serving our customers' needs by providing excellent products, services, and innovative solutions. My name is Kristen Marquis, Marketing Assistant of M&M Service Company. Today, I have with me Tony Haber, our Energy Marketing Manager, and Becky Hornblower, Growmark's Marketing and Business Development Manager of Lubricants. So, Becky, could you just give us a quick introduction, what you do, your background, and how you started in the Growmark system and your path to your role today? Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you for having me part of your podcast. This is exciting. So, my background in the agriculture industry, I'm from a small town called Cambridge, Illinois, northwest Illinois area. My dad and uncle farm in that geography it encompasses most of Henry County in the Illinois area. And then at the same time, I have two older brothers. They're engineers at John Deere. So you can expect what color of equipment my dad and uncle <laughs> operate. But they also farm, which is fun. So it's one of those where they'll leave the office at John Deere, hop in a cab, or take a couple weeks off during harvest and help during a very busy and important time of year. So I actually started in the... Growmark FS system in my hometown at Gold Star FS. I worked part time for two years. That was 2008, 2009. And then I was studying marketing down here. When I say here, I'm office in Bloomington, Illinois. So I studied marketing at ISU. And at that point in time, I was at Gold Star FS over winter break and they said, you need to check out an internship at Growmark. Well, <laughs> Lo and behold, that led to an internship in the energy division in 2010. Then I started full-time in 2011 as an energy marketing implementation specialist. best part about that role is I spent the majority of the time in the field with FS members, which I loved. And that helped me learn a lot about our customers and our system. But that role until 2014. Then I stepped into a propane role, marketing and technical services for a couple of years. So that was fun to get to know a product area. And then my most current role as lubricants marketing and business development manager, I started at the end of 2016. So I'm going on just about four years. And I love this job because I really get to use what I went to school for. There's a ton of moving pieces, never a dull moment. And I think the favorite part is still being out in the field with members and customers like my dad and the cabs and combine. So mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so today uh, we're going to talk about lubricants and their importance for our consumers and their equipment. So when a consumer is looking for a quality engine oil, what should they be looking for? What's important? So we like to say that oil is cheap insurance. And it's been proven out through industry studies that Lubricants only makes up 1% to 2% of a total operating budget for a fleet. 1% to 2%. Where a pretty big percentage of that operating budget may be fuel, for example. So when we say oil cheap insurance, it really can pay dividends when you're spending more on a higher performing fluid. Because that higher quality product should offer better protection, better performance. And that equates to less downtime, less maintenance, lower labor expense. But at the end of the day, all of that should be savings for you. And what's been so interesting to me in this role and spending time at our plant is there can be significant 
significant differences in oil formulations, especially when you really start to dig into different price points. And so that's why we say can really pay those dividends to pay a little more up front, especially when you consider your lubricant cost is still roughly only 1% to 2% of your operating budget. And the differences come into effect when you talk about formulating an oil. I'd like to say that blending an oil is much like following a recipe, especially in regards to baking. <laughs> so it takes a very specific amount of ingredients, and it really comes down to a balance because things like additives will compete for surface base. And so a couple of things I would recommend, how do you tell the difference? Well, when customers are looking to buy a product, first, and this is something our system hangs our hat on, is have there been any field studies or overhauls or field trials? That would be one in which, again, you guys, m and Service Company, our system is proud to stand behind because that's really where we focus our time and effort. The other would be licenses and approvals. OEMs and different industry organizations have different approvals in place. And you can typically ask for those from your blender and Oregon, we would have that information readily available. You can also search online. Plumman's website, for example, if you need to see if the product is licensed with their spec. The other thing would be savings calculators. So diesel engine oil would be by far our biggest product we were across our system. And we have some really good savings calculators specific to Super Cold ESP, our top tier diesel engine oil. And the last thing I would say is, in a nutshell, I mean, your higher quality lubricant should ultimately extend the life cycle of the equipment that you're relying on in the field. Mm-hmm. The other thing, you really need to consider your operating conditions and what you're expecting out of your equipment. And what I mean by that is, if you have a lot of idle time, or excessive contaminants, or excessive load, for instance, you're putting a lot more stress on your equipment, and in turn, a lot more stress on the oil. So that's a perfect example of why using a higher quality lubricant with better base oil, better additives, will last longer and protect better. So you mentioned the facility. Can you tell us more about Grillmark's lubricant facility and its importance of quality control? For sure. So, it's fascinating, <laughs> for one. And I, I truly do mean that. I love spending time in our plant, and we highly recommend if and when we're able to get people out to that facility and through it. We love giving words and walking through the processes that our team goes through to blend oil. The Walmart, we had the opportunity to purchase this facility that resides in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We bought it from a company called McAllister Oil Company in 2006. And before we bought the plant, we were working with whole blenders. They would blend our oil and then ship it out private label. Well, at that point, we did not have complete control over product development, proprietary formulations, economies of scale, all that good stuff that came about when we bought the plant. At the same time, it's ideally located on rails. When I talk about taking advantage of economies of scale, we can bring in base oil and additive via rail and then take advantage of much much better price breaks at that point. 
The facility is ISO 9001 certified. This is very important, especially to some specific customers. They won't even buy from a blender unless you are 9001 certified. And so this is an international standard for quality certification. It requires manufacturers to review, improve, and then document processes to make sure you're shipping out or producing the highest standard of quality for customers. That's something we're very proud of. On site, we have a little over 1.5 million gallons of storage. What's interesting is, yeah, over 80% of that is raw material. And what I mean by that is based on additives. And having that much on-site storage of raw material helps us insulate our FS members from price fluctuations, which has been proven out year over year and has been very helpful. And then specific to the quality piece that you mentioned, on-site we have a laboratory. And this laboratory's job, primary job, I should say, is quality control. We do offer usable analysis to customers only, but with its number one job being quality control, we test the product throughout every step in the blending process. What I mean by that is we bring in a rail car base wheel, we pull a sample, we take it to the lab, test it. And a single, pro a single product may be tested up to 10 times before it even leaves our plant. And then what we do is we hold on to these samples, we call them retained samples. We hold on to them for up to 18 months. And then that allows us to have the backing of our fluids. So we have a warranty in place of all the oil we manufacture. So if there's an issue in the field and we can point our finger to the fluid, uh, we'll back that performance of the fluid in the field. So having those retained samples really not only allows us all better at night, we like to say, but ultimately peace of mind for the products that we blend. Becky, that's, I mean, that facility just sounds amazing, like you said. I'm still going to need to get, get up there one of these days. We would love that. <laughs> talk a little bit more about, uh, talk a, I should say, talk a little bit about, uh, you, talk about you know, you talk about Council Bluffs and that, where, where everything is made and blended. For the, for customers here locally, um, is there anything you can add or talk about Wood River as far as uh, that location and plant? For sure. Yes, of course, all of the blending occurs in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and we still like to say that's local for our members throughout Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. But then we have distribution points to better service, like you guys said, local customers of MM Service Company. Do you work with our facility out of Wood River, Illinois? And the way the Wood River facility is set up is we ship bulk product from Council Bluffs to Wood River, Illinois, and then it's stored on site. So back to quality control, there are specific processes that we follow on the transportation side when we bring the product into the facility, making sure testing occurs again on site, because you really want to prevent any kind of contamination as the fluid is moved from one facility to the next. But then having it all locally at Wood River, that helps reduce, again, further contamination because then we have a team that's been there for decades, and then they take the bulk product and deliver it directly to your guys' customers. So it's really been a smooth operation, and we're 
fortunate to have that facility and have it kind of right in your guys' backyard, which is nice. Absolutely, they do a fantastic job serving our serving our customers and and, and just having having them there locally, uh, right within our geography, is a uh, is a big benefit to us and, and our patrons. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, like what Council Bluff does and, and kind of the process of, of, of how they uh, how they blend. Uh, you know, the last few years there's been there's been so many new oil products that have come out, so many new OEMs, and and with with the way uh, manufacturing has has changed on the automotive industry. Uh, when you look at the, the lubricant business over the next five years, it feels like we've had a massive change already. Uh, what do you think, uh, what kind of changes do you think coming down the road, and what, if anything, has you excited? So, yes, you are spot on, Tony. Changes have been very frequent and consistent on the energy side. Uh, so, a big driver behind all of this is regulations, as many of you know. And what I mean by that is mandates in place to improve the fuel economy and then at the same time reduce emissions. That's leading to major changes with hardware, equipment hardware. So original equipment manufacturers, also known as OEMs, they've had quite a challenge with making sure they're manufacturing equipment to meet these mandates. And typically what you see is when you have these changes with hardware, machinery, equipment, hardware, lubricant changes follow. And we have seen our fair share of what we call specification changes in both diesel engine oil and gasoline engine oil over the last couple of years. And a few things that I'll point out, we're going to continue to see a trend across not only diesel and gasoline engine oil, but transmission fluids, hydraulic fluids, ports lower viscosity oil. And what I mean by that is basically a thinner lubricant because a thinner lubricant film provides less viscous drag, we call it, and ultimately that allows your equipment and machinery to operate at higher efficiency. So that then gives you that improved fuel efficiency, and in turn, you're not consuming as much fuel, so you're lowering your emissions. However, with these lower viscosity oils, that requires, again, that major need towards a balanced formulation, but more robust additives, so higher performing additives, and also higher quality base oil. Which, speaking of base oil, base oil is the, the building block, the foundation of your finished lubricant. Then you add your additives to enhance the performance. And with these different quality levels of base oil, we're going to potentially start to see more full synthetics into the market, especially as we see gasoline engine oil getting lighter and lighter. So back to that trend of lower viscosities, full synthetics will not only allow us to blend within those ranges, but you get better cold temperature performance with full synthetics. You handle oxidation better and thermal degradation, and you actually can perform better at higher operating temperatures as well. The other couple things, even with hydraulic systems, gear cases, transmissions, engines, we're seeing higher operating temperatures and higher pressures. And again, this is because OEMs are really driving some changes towards meeting those regulations that I already mentioned. And then lastly, our 
team is really keeping an eye on electric vehicles and hybrid technologies. So we're still trying to figure out where do we fit into this puzzle because those vehicles do require different lubrication needs. So that will be a trend that we'll keep an eye on moving forward for sure. Very cool. Well, thank you for all of that information. Definitely a lot to consider when choosing what type of lubricants you would need for different types of equipment. Um, so one last question for you, Becky. Um, so what what advice would you give someone who's trying to enter this, this career in your field? For sure. So I would say learn, be a sponge, soak in as much as you can. And how to do that, I mean, start reading as much information as you can. There's so many free industry and OEM e-newsletters you can sign up for, podcasts, books, even training events, whether those are virtually or in person. Definitely jump on those opportunities. I mean, even within our system, we have a virtual training library online for lubricants and same for on the fuel side. And I would say ask questions as many questions as you can, especially in the field. Uh, get out with customers. Like I mentioned, I learned so much just sitting in a cab with my dad who shared with me all the grease points in a combine and that he's now using a gear oil in his corn head versus a gear, open gear grease, I should say. So it's just interesting to really get out there and learn exactly from those that are using your products. And then the last thing I would say is find opportunities so perhaps there's an opportunity to record a podcast like this or give a presentation, write a newsletter letter or article. All those opportunities help you better learn a topic. So that's a good, good way to dive into any new topic. Great advice. Thank you. Before, get you, before we get you out of here, Becky, uh, one last important question. Uh, as we're recording now, it, it is March and even though sometimes, uh, depending on what the, the calendar may not may not think or it may not seem like it, uh, we are close to spring. Yes. Give me your most underrated and overrated uh, things about spring the spring season. Underrated and overrated. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> underrated. So I actually. Once spring season comes, I love I love the change of seasons, the change in the weather, and I'm a really big fan of thunderstorms as long as they don't do any damage, and just a nice little rain shower here and there as long as you have you know plenty of sunshine in between. But I just like the changes and variances in weather for one. So your underrated aspect is thunderstorms. I love thunderstorms. Okay.
All right, since you, since you, so, now wait, now wait a minute. You said, you like peeps. I do. All right, but what, what's your, what's your overrated thing about spring? Overrated thing about spring? Um. We'll go, we'll question. get back to peeps here in a minute, but. Well, I thought of another thing I really like too that's agriculture related is the smell of like freshly dirt, freshly turned over dirt. Mm. I think that's a great smell. I I guess the only, and this is kind of funny because it'll sound like I'm talking out of both sides here. So over overrated. After a while, if it's been too wet of a spring, if there's been way too much rain, you kind of get sick of the mess associated with like mud and tracking things in and whatnot. Because I have a dog and I always gotta wash his paws and all that stuff, you know. Things stay too cold and wet too long and gets old. But yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but okay. So, so you kind of, you kind of, you kind of brought up a second question here. <laughs> when you brought up the peeps. So, so you, so you love, you like the peeps. Now, give me, a, give, then give me an overrated Easter candy. Overrated Easter candy? Yeah. I'm not a big are jelly bean Easter candy. Absolutely. Jelly bean, jelly beans are an Easter candy. Starburst ones always come out. I feel like those are overrated. Now, is like it's like jelly beans in general, or like, or something like the like the generic jelly beans, or like not a fan of like the Starburst, or I feel like the jelly beans uh, stepped up whenever the Starburst came into play. However many years ago that was, but the generic jelly beans, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I can kind of leave those alone. Agreed. I you you hit the nail on the head there. One star. Starbucks, that'd be weird. Once. Wouldn't surprise me if eventually that happened, though. It's probably Jelly Belly, Starbucks. Yep, that's true. Coffee, milk, yeah. latte. <laughs> I like the Starburst ones, though. So once they figured it out, I was more on board with Jelly Beans. Okay, so I, I'm still. I don't, I, I can't, I don't know how you can handle peeps. That is, uh, ooh. I I think that's they 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 definitely have that element to them. I mean, it's a typically people don't you don't have a, any middle ground there. Well, let me ask this: like, come Halloween season, are you guys candy corn fans? Like candy corn by itself, or or like a like a like a mix? Let's do candy corn by itself. Absolutely not. Can't do it now. Now, if you if you blend in like a candy corn with like peanuts, and basically you have yourself a payday, uh, then then that can work. Uh, but candy corn by itself, no way, not touching it. Krista, what about you? <laughs> I'd agree. Yeah. Oh, you guys are hilarious. Yeah, I love candy corn by itself. Oh, Becky. Yes, I know. Like you have no room to talk. You don't like anything but certain candy. Well, that's for another podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we don't need to take a deep dive into that this time. <laughs> okay, um, now that we're done with that, <laughs> uh, thanks, Becky, for joining us today. You're um, very welcome. Thanks again for having me. No problem. So this has been FS Uncovered podcast of Eminent Service Company. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your supported podcast app.